Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere in the Odyssey app. 60 degrees and cloudy here at 410 on this Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. And before I come in with Tommy Marquez on our Veterans News, uh, let me just say that there is a caucus meeting at Scranton. Today, Tuesday's caucus will be held in the council's second floor chambers at City Hall, 340 North Washington Avenue, beginning at 545 today. Council, and this is in regards to this over half a million dollars, six hundred thousand, almost six hundred thousand dollars to a project that the mayor really doesn't know what she wants it for. She's she's wants money to look for a project instead of have a project and have something in mind. Um Councilman Tom Schuster requested the information caucus last week when council tabled the ARPA reallocation legislation. I think we're all in support of violence prevention, obviously based on especially what has happened in our city. But I think it's important that we get some specifics before we move this forward, Councilman Bill King said last week. So if you're able to go to that, check it out. Council meeting caucus tonight on this. And again, ask questions about that Miffelhun. And ask about previous studies they've done and where are the reports for those studies. Because we've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to this company already for studies. Or or uh, I shouldn't say uh, – we've paid a lot of money to them. I, I shouldn't throw a number out there. I did look – I did talk on this earlier. But um, Miffelhun, uh, I'm going to put a link to their, their website on my Facebook page in just a little bit. Because you're going to want to check them out because they're not who they say they are. Just uh, – do your do your research before you take this mayor at her word for violence prevention. Uh, as always, and I'm sorry for the delay, we're here with Tommy Marquez. Tommy Marquez is a Navy veteran. He was a senior staffer in Congress for many years, and now he works to get the information to our veterans on programs and benefits that they've earned throughout their career. Tommy, thanks for joining the Rob O'Donnell Show today. Hey, thanks, Rob. I appreciate you for having me. So what do we have on the agenda today, Tommy? Well, I want to talk about combat-related special compensation pay. But before we get into that, um, and if, if you are a military retiree or a divorced military former member, you're going to want to listen. Uh, but with that said, I want to tell you something since you talked about that study group. I, I heard that coming in. You guys, I can't express this enough. <laughs> Watch out for voting for funds to do a study on something. So in my hometown in California, runs the most polluted river in all of the Americas. That, yes, all of the Americas. It's North, South, Central America is the most polluted river. It's called the New River. It actually is weird, or unique, I should say, that it flows from South to North, and it flows into the Salton Sea. And before he died, Sonny Bono put in a bill to study the New River, and everybody supported the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to study that river. And they thought that that would get to a cleanup. Now, Sonny Bono died, I think in 1997, all that bill did, all that ever came from it, all that studying is that people go down to Palm Springs, get a hotel, they go down, they take tests of the water within an hour, they capture it, they send it back. And then they stay at the hotel. Then they bill everything, to the government that they use for that bill that passed to study the water, and they've given out hundreds of millions of dollars. No one has come, and it, they just come back with a report that says, hey, it has all these horrible things in it, fecal matter, lithium, metals, all these things, and it's the same as everybody else. 
and they go golf, and nothing's ever been done to fix anything about it. Nothing. So just be careful for studies. Funding studies is like, uh, well, it's like getting a liberal arts degree, let me tell you. If you're, if you're the parent paying for it, you better watch out. <laughs> it may not necessarily lead to a job. So I'll leave that there. Combat-related special compensation pay. Okay, let's say you're a military retiree. And we always hear military retirees talking about, I wish my retirement was tax-free. Well, it actually can be. And that's through a program called CRSC, Combat-Related Special Compensation Pay. Now, in order to receive it, you have to be a 20-year retiree. You have to be a Terra retiree. That's that ter uh, temporary early retirement um, plan that they had for people who retired at 15 years. Or you have to be medically retired with a DOD disability rating at 30% or higher. Not a VA rating, a DOD rating. And that is commonly referred to as Chapter 61. Now, if you fall into one of those categories, or if you're a reservist with 72,000 points, so basically 20 years of active time, you can qualify for CRSC. Now, what does it do? CRSC does two basic things. It takes your military retirement and it removes it and turns it into a special compensation. All right, and that special compensation is non-taxable. And here's the other thing that it does that <laughs> the divorcees are gonna wanna know about. It makes it where your former spouse is not able to receive it. They don't get that automatic split uh, that is when that is for like uh, retirees, they do 20 years, and if they were married for 10 years, essentially they get, your former spouse gets half of that money for the 10 years you were in, okay? They get 10, uh, half of that retirement. That is exempt in CRSC because you don't have a retirement, you got a special compensation, which is totally different. Now, in order to receive it, you have to have a VA service-connected disability, and it's one of two ways. The service-connected disability has to come from a Purple Heart action, or excuse me, an action which received the Purple Heart, and you got a VA rating of 10% or more, or it has to come from something that is due to the instrumentality of war, uh, an armed conflict, or training for war. Now, don't worry, I do deep dives uh, on my social media, and you can see it there onto all of these things. I had to break it up into like four videos. So if you don't understand all that, I'll get into that in the videos and explain it a little bit in a minute. In a minute. Now, if you are one of those individuals and you have that disability, then the question becomes, what disabilities qualify? Well, I'll explain it. Let's say you have a veteran who receives a Purple Heart, and in that Purple Heart is due to an IED blast or you're shot in the leg, whatever, for whatever reason, he is a below-the-knee amputee, and it's directly related to action, related to action, uh, actions that re that veteran received the Purple Heart for. They then can get that disability converted into CRSC, and a portion of their retirement can go to that special compensation. So if it's 30%, 30% of it can get turned into CRSC, and that means that 30% you know, of it they don't have to pay. But it's cumulative. So let's say they have another condition. Let's say they have PTSD, and that PTSD rating is 70%. If it's due to combat, that veteran can then get the 30% and the 70% combined to make 100% CRSC rating, and now their retirement is completely tax-free, and is completely exempt from their former spouse. Now let's give another example. Let's say you're a veteran 
and you're training uh, at Airborne School, at BUDS, uh, which is Navy SEAL training. You're at the selection course for Green Berets. You're at the School of Infantry in the Marine Corps of the Army. Or you're working on a uh, program such as like you know, you're on an aircraft carrier and you're launching planes and, and things like that. Or training like a CERTX mission if you're in the Marine Corps or a MU workup. And they get an injured, injury to their leg and it leads to an amputation, a below-the-knee amputation. Now, let's say it's the exact same amputation as that Purple Heart veteran that I just mentioned before. Even though they did not receive a Purple Heart for that uh, injury, that VA service-connected disability, as long as it's 10% or higher, they potentially could get our, uh, it converted to CRSC because that's part of an instrumentality of war, it's part of an armed conflict in the scenarios I gave you, or it's part of training for war, you know, uh, School of Infantry, BUDS, things like that. Now, let's do one last example. And this example is going to be what typically does not qualify for CRSC. Let's say you have a veteran who commutes back and forth to work through the military. Due to no fault of their own, totally within the line of duty, they get in a horrible car accident, and they suffer a uh, below-the-knee amputation. That veteran is not entitled to CRSC because that is not part of the instrumentality of war. It's not part of an armed conflict, nor did they receive a Purple Heart for their injury. So you could have three veterans who have the exact same injury, and that injury could qualify two of them for CRSC, and it could disqualify one for CRSC. Now I'm going to give you one more example and just split it down the middle. Let's say a veteran has PTSD like the aforementioned veteran I uh, talked about. Now let's say that that PTSD is due to combat in uh, an event overseas. That veteran could potentially be entitled to CRSC. That, that is something that could be eligible. Now let's say we have a different veteran who has a PTSD rating, but that rating is not due to combat. The PTSD is you know, due to something horrible, like an MST, a military sexual trauma, which is horrible. Don't get me wrong. I don't make the rules. Uh, it's horrible that that happened, that that event occurred, but they don't necessarily qualify for CRSC because, again, that's not part of the instrumentality of war. Uh, it doesn't rate a Purple Heart. It doesn't uh, fall under armed conflict, nor the training for war. So I know that's kind of convoluted, and it's difficult to understand, and I like to believe that my superpower is taking really complex problems and programs in the government and explaining them at a level that everyone can <laughs> easily understand. But it's hard. And CRSC, it was so hard as I was trying to ensure I had all the accurate information for my videos that I put up on social media. Heck, I got to tell you, I got confused. And I had to, like, call people to make sure that I was putting out accurate information. So don't stress. If you have a question about CRSC, you have a question about if your condition qualifies, if you have a question about if you're eligible to receive it, or even if it's best for you, I've done four videos in the last seven days on CRSC that are on my TikTok, on my YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can go to there, you can go to my handle, at Tommy Marquez Consulting, easily find me, find those videos, and I go into deep dives into all of those conditions, all of those qualifications, and all of the eligibility criteria for service members 
and hopefully it gives them guidance. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up, I did the video, and I can't believe, Rob, there is literally just so many people reaching out to me who are military retirees who have never heard of this program, ever. And they're just perplexed. And they did not know about it in any way, shape, or form. And they've talked to me about some of the conditions that they've had. And it, it, indeed, it's true. They're going to most likely qualify for CRSE or CRDP, which is another program I talk about in these videos. So I'm trying to get the word out. And I appreciate you for allowing me to use your show, again, as a platform to try to put out that information. And again, my handle is at Tommy Marquez Consulting, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. I don't charge you anything. I don't ask for any of your money. Uh, it's just discounts, deals, information, and facts. All available there for military families uh, and, and veterans. And as always, thank you, Tommy. And I just shared your link to your YouTube channel on my Facebook page, Rob O'Donnell. So again, Tommy, great information. I appreciate you joining us, and I look forward to you next week. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Have a good one. Thanks. It's uh, 423, almost 424 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. Already, is it? Uh, this traffic update brought to you by Pentella Data Internet. We have a slowdown, 81 southbound between Music and Avoca. You are dipping below 30 miles per hour. There is a jam on Northern Boulevard in South Abington Township heading toward Clark Summit due to some road work going on, on sh near Shady Lane on Northern Boulevard Route 6 and 11. Somewhat heavy traffic on Jefferson Avenue in Scranton, as well as a North Blakely Street in Dunmore. And you might run into bumper-to-bumper um, -bumper traffic on Hazel Street in Wilkesbury. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. From the WILK Traffic Center, Nikki Stone with this Data Internet Traffic Update. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. This afternoon becoming mostly cloudy with showers late. This afternoon and evening, high 65. Tonight, showers and downpours, low 50. Wednesday, periods of rain, gusty winds and storms possible, high near 60. Wednesday night, turning much colder and windy with a few flakes possible, low of 25. Thursday, leap day. Windy and colder with some snow showers and flurries, high 36. Friday, we're back. Mostly sunny, warmer, high near 50. It's currently 59 degrees and cloudy here at 425. Let me tell you about budget blinds. You need to check out your local budget blinds here in Northeast Pennsylvania. Tom or Rick, owners of our local budget blinds, locations covering all of Northeast Pennsylvania. The leader in custom window treatments. 90% more options than your big box stores. Literally had to wheel in all their samples. They could not carry them. Blinds, shades, shutters, drapes. Budget Blinds is proud to offer the best warranty program in the industry, including their no-questions-asked guarantee, which means you're going to save money. Volume pricing, where you're not only benefiting from your low prices that you're getting, you're also getting the advantage from the purchases for all their blinds for all their customers. 30 years of style and expert service. Our local Budget Blinds here in Northeast Pennsylvania. You can check them out by going to budgetblinds.com. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. I asked Jake for some uh, Run DMC, and he was like, what? Well, here we go. But there's some breaking news out of New York City, and uh, actually it's kind of close to me. Uh, my, my squad that I worked for took this case right after it happened. Well, two men have been convicted in the 2002 killing of Run DMC's Jam Master Jay. 
one of the hip-hop world's most infamous slayings. Two men convicted of the 2002 killing where uh, they came into the studio where he was working in Queens. Now, when I was in the 105th Detective Squad, that was, we covered Hollis Queens. And Hollis Queens was Run DMC, LL Cool J, The Fat Boys, um, 50 Cent. Uh, ja Rule, the, the, a, a whole lot of rappers that people who follow hip hop music uh, come from that came from that area. That's where they were born and raised. That's where hip hop, um, that form of hip hop, you know, it was also up in the Bronx with Africa Mabata and stuff like that. Uh, so I know my hip hop because we covered. I worked uh, in Hollis, Queens, and uh, for many years. Again, especially when I was working there, they all their families still live there. Some of them. No matter how successful they got, they kept their homes in in where they grew up for some street cred, and they'd come back all the time. LL Cool J would come back, Run DMC would always be there, and Jam Master J was working at a studio in that area in Queens that he had built, where um, shooters came in and killed him, shot him multiple times, and it wasn't for many years later. And I was out injured already with my neck injury after 9/11. This was 2002, uh, but my old squad. Uh, picked up the case, and, uh, and I was in conversation with them, and there were tons of witnesses, and they all said, yeah, we saw who did it, but we're not going to tell you. And uh, that's the way it went for many years until finally someone got a conscience and gave up who the individuals were. The arrests were made um, just a couple of years ago, and that trial just happened, and two men were convicted of the 2002 killing of Jam Master J from Run DMC. So uh, justice was served there, and again, it was all about drugs, and there's a whole—I can get into a whole story. If, if, if you've ever seen the movie—what's um, the movie? Oh, i got to think about it now, where they run a—I'll um, think of it when I come back. It's uh, 431 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's the point in the show where we honor our heroes across America, here at home, who made the ultimate sacrifice. Sixty police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day. Three from here in Pennsylvania. We're going to start off with policeman John Charles Keene of the Philadelphia Police Department in 1931. Died of his injuries suffered when a patrol wagon he was driving overturned after a collision with a car. He served with the Philadelphia Police Department for 13 years, survived by his seven children. His wife had died of pneumonia three weeks before Policeman Kent's accident. Patrolman Martin Hanahoe, Pennsylvania State Highway Patrol in Pennsylvania, 1927, was injured when he attempted to halt a motor vehicle driven by a fugitive suspect. The fugitive forced Hanahoe off the road against a concrete abutment and into a telephone pole. He was taken to Robert Parker Hospital in Sayre, Pennsylvania, where he died of his injuries. Patrolman William Leven, Reading Police Department, in 1868, suffered a fatal heart attack shortly after being kicked in the abdomen by a suspect who had been arrested for being drunk in public. The suspect had been found laying in the gutter by another patrolman and was being walked to jail by Patrolman Leven. came to assist the officer. Suspects began to struggle near the intersection of 9th Street uh, the other officer threw the man on the ground as Patrolman LeVan assisted. The man began kicking at both officers, striking him in the abdomen. And that's our three for our area. Um, we were talking about the, the Run DMC um, Jam Master J homicide arrest where two people have been convicted of that now um, more than 20 years later. Just goes to show you that the justice never ceases. 
And uh, the movie I was talking about, in, you know, in Hollis, Queens, and in that area, St. Albans over there, I got, I got Chariots of Fire, Boys in Hoods, and Straight Outta Compton. None of the above. It was uh, New Jack City. If you've ever seen the movie New Jack City, it was loosely um, characterized off of a real, real s- situation. There was a drug kingpin named Supreme that worked the 40 projects in Queens in that area. And when he first started his crack cocaine industry, um, he used to hire local talent, and it happened to be Run DMC, the Fat Boys, LL Cool J. Um, There was a whole bunch of them there and funded them and did a lot of things. Now, the rumor has it that some of them paid uh, their way to get out of that life and move on. Uh, The fact that Jam Master J was killed in some sort of drug deal um, involving a kilo of cocaine uh, reveals that he didn't. If you look at, um, you know, the 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 enterprises that came out of that, the the Simmons crew, um, the record labels, and all that, a lot of that was funded, suspectedly with uh, nefarious funds behind it. So that that movie was New Jack City with Wesley Snipes, and it it was loosely founded under a real true life drug kingpin named Supreme that used to run the same sort of operation out of the 40 projects in Queens. So that's what we had. That's what we, um, that's what we dealt with there back in the day. And it was interesting because, you know, you're driving around, um, you know, you'd see Fat Joe was more of the Bronx, but you'd see uh, Biggie Smalls. You'd see, um, who were the old rappers? The guy with the the really tall, uh, Kid and Play, the guy with the tall flat top. Uh, kid and play, and I'm probably talking a different language to you guys, but uh, if you grew up in New York City or you were a fan of hip hop, you know who they were. And Run DMC, the, one of the more famous ones, LL Cool J. Uh, there's like 50 Cent, Ja Rule. There's a whole bunch of them that were from um, that area of Hollis, Queens, St. Albans, Queens, Jamaica, Queens area. There, it was a big, big area. It was a big. Uh, bringing up of hip-hop music back in the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, the, unfortunately, there was a lot of crime involved with that, too. A lot of gunplay, you know, with the with the 40 Projects right there and a drug kingpin running that. It's also the same area, and then we just had the anniversary of that yesterday where uh, police officer Eric Burns was executed um, by a drug kingpin as a sending a message to law enforcement to back off uh, their enforcement of his facility, and it kind of had the the opposite effect where we had an all-out dragnet coming after him uh, because of that. And just the anniversary of that was yesterday with uh, police officer Eric Byrne where he was sitting in his patrol car guarding a witness and was executed from the street. Um, again, um, more than 20 years ago. So it was good to see uh, some closure to that. But again, there were many family members and people there that witnessed this crime 20 years ago and wouldn't tell law enforcement a thing. And hopefully, thankfully, somebody got a conscience somewhere down the road. Gave two suspects up, and they just got a conviction for the two of them. It's uh, 442 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. It started raining outside. You know that started beautiful, raining. That beautiful day that we had, and I was getting so excited that now when we go home, it's, it's a little light out A still. little bit light it's out. A little. You know, I mean, almost. It starts getting dark around 6, and now we have to drive home in rain and ugh. 
All right. At any rate, we have a slowdown, 81 southbound. Between music and Avoca, you can expect to dip below 30 miles per hour. Heavy traffic on Mulberry Street in Scranton as well as Jefferson Avenue. That seems pretty jammed up. And you have that construction near Shady Lane Road. Um, that is causing a jam on Northern Boulevard, Route 6 and 11 in Clark Summit. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269 from the WILK Traffic Center. Nikki Stone with this Penteladata Internet Traffic Update. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, showers, downpours, low 50. Wednesday periods of rain, gusty wind and storms possible, high near 60. Wednesday night turning much colder and windy with a few flakes, low 25. Thursday leap day, windy and colder with some snow showers and flurries, high 36. Friday mostly sunny and warmer, high near 50. It's currently 58 degrees here at 443, your official weather station, WILK. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio on this Tuesday, February 27th, 2024, 447 outside, some rain falling, 58 degrees in, cloudy outside. Well, it looks like the U.S. Army will be cutting forces by 24,000 soldiers amid recruiting shortfalls. They simply can't get people in there. So I saw the headline there and simple, go woke, go broke. It's no different than our corporate partners out there who have made the same mistakes and have seen the same issue, except here it has could have deadly consequences as we move forward. Uh, our military needs to get back to what they do best, being the world's foremost fighting force. Um, the tip of the spear that we never want to use, but if we need to, it's there and it's feared. This nonsense that they're doing um, with a lot of our military— it's not happening everywhere. A lot of places are too busy training for that day to uh, deal with nonsense like that. It seems to be people who are have a lot of t- downtime, units that have a lot of downtime to sit around and dream this this crap up. But, um, yeah, the U.S. Army, as per this breaking news, is cutting its force by 24,000 people, soldiers, amid uh, recruiting shortfalls. Uh, More locally here, and uh, more of a success story, is the state police is launching an ad campaign to attract more recruits. Now, they've gotten a ton of, of, a huge uptick in recruits since the governor dropped the college requirement to become a state trooper here. But a recruitment initiative utilizes various media channels, including TV commercials, set to debut, debut, during Sunday's 3.30 NHL game between the Philadelphia Flyers and the Pittsburgh Penguins and commercials during March Madness, according according to a press release. The recruitment campaign includes ads on billboards, streaming services, radio, digital, social media. PSB plans to secure airtime for the commercial during other televised sporting events. They have, uh, again, saw a 258% increase in the number of applicants taking the test because uh, to become a state trooper because of the governor's Josh Shapiro waiving the college requirement for applicants. The governor's 2024-2025 budget proposal calls for an additional four new classes of cadets, the release says, ensuring that PSP can continue to keep Pennsylvania safe. See, now there's a real and proven message. There's a real and proven message. Um, 
thing you can do, tangible. Not let's set $600,000 aside and get a study to where we maybe get an outside agency not related to the city, not related to the police department, maybe some friends of mine from back in the day that could come in and um, tell us all how we, we need to, to, to love one another. Um, no, you hire more police. You train them better. You get them the training and the tools they need to fight crime and go after criminals. That's what you do, Mayor Page Cognetti. It's not hard. Not hard at all. But let's just set the money aside. And, and that meeting at, uh, in Scranton is taking place in about an hour. If you're in the area and attend those work sessions with the city council up there and ask some questions. Ask questions about what's this Miffelhun company that is keeps doing studies that we really don't get the results for from the public. It's the public taxpayer paying for them. But, yes, hiring more police is a good thing. Better training police is a good thing. And giving them the tools they need and the resources they need and the supervision they need and the freedom to do the job they need to do. And they know how to do it. No best, no, 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 no one best in our area here than our local state police, our local police officers in Scranton. We've seen it firsthand what a good job they do. Give them the tools, hire more of them, put more of them out there. That's what we need to see. You're wearing gang colors, you get stopped. You're a known gang member, you get stopped. You let them know that gangs aren't welcome. You let them know that criminals aren't welcome. You let them know that carrying illegal firearms is not welcome. And you send that message loud and clear so only criminals can understand. Not hide behind the things to be a kinder, gentler city. Yes, you want to be a kinder, or gentle city. It's easy when you have no criminals in it. It's that simple. It's that simple at least. But it's great to see that PSP is having this uh, initiative. Um, look forward to seeing their commercials, their billboards, and their commercials here, hopefully on WILK News Radio, and they're welcome in here anytime they want to help with their recruiting, uh, as always. So uh, if you're interested, you must pass the qualifying written examination, background check, physical readiness test, medical screening, and psychological screening before becoming a cadet and beginning training at the Pennsylvania Police Academy. Um, cadet training lasts approximately 27 weeks. It's a paramilitary uh, and is paramilitary. Good. Comprehensive and rigorous training includes coursework in Pennsylvania crimes and vehicle codes, law enforcement principles and practices, firearms, special equipment training, and physical fitness of activities. Uh, upon completion of the training academy, cadets are promoted to trooper and receive an, an increase in salary, which is $66,911. The current cadet application cycle is open until February 12th. So check it out if you're looking to make a difference in your community or in the state. It's uh, 4.53 here at WILK. We'll be back. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Four, almost 4.56 here, 58 degrees with some light rain outside. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phone now. We have uh, Mike from 44 on Joel Osteen. Mike. Hi, Rob. Yes, uh, you were talking about the woman shooter who walked into a church and, and uh, blasted away. Um, if you have ushers outside the church who are opening, do ostensibly they're opening doors, you know, to greet people, you know, opening doors and things like that, uh, they can also be screening people before they walk in. And you use the three-strike rule that, number one, you don't know them, number two, how they are clothed, and number three, when you interrogate them, when you ask a question, they don't answer you. And so right there you stop them before they walk in. 
and then you can take and address their problem outside. Well, there there were ushers present. They weren't at every door, and you have to realize that this church holds 40,000, so there are going to be people there every day that they don't know. It's not a small, you know, that, that some of the, the suggestions you bring up are great suggestions, but they work better for small community parishioners where this is, is very large. They have multiple masses. And again, this, this woman walked right by almost 15 feet from a uniformed armed police officer. Sure. Yeah. No, that, it, it can only apply if you're doing a small church. Yeah, yeah, and it is. You know, a lot of the churches, my church especially, in in my small rural community, they they have ushers outside that look at everybody, know everybody. You you you, you see the familiar faces, and again, this woman, uh, she had a backpack on, she had a long coat on. Um, you couldn't see the weapon in any of the video as she walked in the church, and she had a small child dressed in colorful clothing, that uh, was brought purposely, obviously as a distraction and and she could care less uh about his safety as you can see in the video um that I, that i watched uh, earlier today to to go through that but yeah again that's a mega church it's it's tremendously big they get visitors that go there all the time uh from out of the area when they visit that area so uh, again that's that it would be kind of uh hard Hi. to do at a place like that yeah an easy target yeah all right mike thanks for calling in sure rob thank you um we were talking about a little bit about this yesterday, and the Auditor General came out today of New York City that migrant security guards are paid up to $117 an hour as New York City taxpayers fleeced by no-bid contracts rushed out of City Hall. Um, yeah, security guards in one of the migrant shelters were earning being paid up to $117 an hour, more than four times the prevailing wage, under rushed no-bid contracts being doled out by Mayor Eric Adams' administration to deal with the crisis this new audit shows. The deals inked under the city's emergency contract system have allowed various for-profit companies to charge exorbitant rates for migrant shelter staffing with very little oversight and vetting, leading to taxpayers being fleeced out of millions of dollars, according to the Auditor General Report of New York. The city's haphazard approach to entering these contracts and their subsequent failure to compare or control prices across them underscores the pitfalls of inadequate management of emergency procurement, said city controller Brad Lander of his office's audit. Uh, the result of the city agencies likely spent millions of dollars more than necessary for the same services. The controller's review of the city's four highest cost deals found that supervisors and security staff at various asylum seeker shelters were paid wildly, wildly different rates, despite dis delivering the exact same services. An hourly rate paid for security guards ranged from $50 to $117 across the four contracts, significantly higher than the prevailing wage of $27.58 per hour, according to the report. Comparison of similar job descriptions under the contract inked by companies Gardner um, security staffers were paid roughly $117, $90, and $50 per hour, respectively. One particularly egregious instance is was charged hourly rates that were 237% more than the another contract role. And another one was charged 146% more than another. And again, this is on top of the $50 million contract for no-bid debit cards for migrants. It's 5 o'clock here at WILK. We'll be back. 